military spouses have such skills and experience and are tenacious and can get just crack on and get things done. It's um, Darren and I share the same values. You know, we both believe if you've got the skills and experience and opportunities there, you have to go for it and stand up and serve. My name is Johnny Ball and I'm the founder of Campaign Force, a not-for-profit that inspires, trains and coaches the armed forces community to stand up and serve again. I've served on the front line of military operations and in civilian life, the front line of UK politics. This Veterans in Politics podcast is a set of interviews brought to you by Campaign Force and sets out to explore how the military community can help make our politics a better place. I lean into my little black book of contacts and sit down with individuals from across the world of politics, sharing secrets, giving tips and advice and inspiring the next generation. We are Campaign Force. This is the Veterans in Politics podcast. Let's introduce you to our guest. Caroline Henry is the wife of an MP and RAF veteran, guest of last season, Darren Henry. But that's not what she wants to be known for. Like countless other military spouses, Caroline is a resourceful and talented woman who has sacrificed her career at the expense of the military. But now is her time, and she is standing as a police and crime commissioner in her home county. The Armed Forces isn't just about those who serve in uniform, and what you will discover in this episode is the formidable family that support them too. This is an inspirational episode that directly speaks to the spousal community, as well as others who have put people first. It's time for you to meet our guest. Caroline, how are you? Welcome to Veterans in Politics, the podcast. It's absolutely brilliant to be able to get you onto the show because we've known each other for a while now, but how are you today? I'm really well, Johnny. Thank you so much for inviting me today. No, I think it's an absolute pleasure because one aspect of service life I'm very keen to evangelise and champion is the role of spouses. Indeed, my other half, um, having let me go away and do my tours um, and being left at home, keeping sort of the family unit going and and liaising with the family, I would just be really curious. Can you tell us a little bit about what you know, what is a military spouse first of all, first of all? Well. I ended up following the flag, but I had no idea when I met Darren back in a nightclub in 1994 in Nottingham, what an impact the military was going to have on my life. I just thought it was another job. And actually, military isn't. It was a complete way of life. And in the end, I threw myself into it. But it took me a while to get there. So, yeah, you had um, your husband had a long career in the Royal Air Force and you were part of that military community. Can you tell us a little bit about the impact that had on your life, both good and bad, as part of that armed forces family? Yeah, well, when I met Darren, um, I was a career businesswoman. I'm I'm from Nottinghamshire. I worked in Nottinghamshire and I had no no intent to leave to leave. Um, We. We had a fantastic time getting together at the weekends or whenever we could, but he travelled around and I'd, I stayed put in Nottinghamshire. And actually, we even did that when we were married. I still stayed put working in Nottinghamshire and he used to come home whenever he could. Um, he came over enough because we ended up getting pregnant with twins. And um, it wasn't until after the babies were born and they came prematurely um, that actually it got really tough being a military wife not living with my husband, looking after these lovely babies and working full time. 
So at that point, I made the really difficult decision to give up my job and to go and live in a military quarter, um, RAF Cranwell. I was quite lucky because I say lucky, I think Darren manufactured it that way, that he's, he got a tour at Cranwell, which was only less than an hour from Nottingham. So I could still keep in touch with my friends and family, which was really important to me. It was a bit of a shock when we got there, Johnny, because all of a sudden from being this career woman, I was a dependent and everyone wanted to know what my husband did. It was it was it was a, a, diff, a different way of life when I first got there and I had to get used to that. Yeah, it's such a such a challenge and that sacrifice that you make for each other. I know for me, when I was learning, I was at the language school for 15 months. During that time, Lydia was working in Brussels in the European Parliament. So yeah. we had this kind of taking turns of visiting each other, you know, yeah. weekend away in Brussels and she'd come over to Beaconsfield. So those sacrifices you make, and I, I think for us, it may, definitely made us stronger as a couple. Um, that's for sure. Uh, but it is such a challenge. But of course, you've already mentioned Darren. It'd be yeah. remiss of us not to mention Darren Henry, who is a member of parliament. And actually, you're our first husband and wife combo for the Veterans in Politics podcast. Well, <laughs> what, what an honour that is. <laughs> yeah, so you're fir- uh, our first couple. But um but let, yeah, we're here to talk about you, uh, not Darren, as fantastic as his episode was in series one. You can look it up, folks. Um, but you're standing as a police and crime commissioner. Congratulations. Um, how important is it that spouses from the armed forces community, um, be they me- women or indeed men, because there are men that serve as spouses, how important is it that they realise their, p- their potential and like their other halves, you know, stand up and serve again too? absolutely vital I think you know military spouses have such skills and experience and are tenacious and can get just crack on and get things done it's um Darren and I share the same values you know we both believe if you've got the skills and experience and opportunities there you have to go for it and stand up and serve and um there's you know the timing is perfect for me because this is my Nottinghamshire um, I know, we know, as you know, he came back. Darren always promised he'd come back to Nottinghamshire. And he, he, was, he was true to his word. And the opportunity to serve Nottinghamshire as the police and crime commissioner, where I could really help make not safe, is um, an amazing opportunity. And I wouldn't have had the skill set to do it had I not have done all the work I did when I was involved with the military. Because what before... Um, I started following the flag and following Darren around. I was in, just in sales and printing. Got to a high level. I loved it. But actually, once we got um, moving around with Darren, I ended up getting really involved with military life. I worked for what was, um, it's called Airwaves. It was a predecessor to the RAF Families Federation and do community work there. I also worked for SAFA, the Armed Forces Charity, um, all those skills I got doing that work, I mean, as a, plus my business side, I, I ran my own business as we moved around as well. Um, it makes me a really good fit and great experience to be a police crime commissioner. I think so. I mean, we, we society and the UK PLC has overlooked the power of the military spouse for too long. And it's really good. We now see um, jobs portals set up specifically for service spouses as well. Because I think you've just described there is normal, right, of part of that force's life. All those extra experiences. I always say to people that when you're in the military, we get loads of training, but the, the spouse doesn't. But you still have all those skills and those values and experiences that you bring into the mix. So 
I'm tremendously excited to see you stand up and serve again into politics. And when I heard the news that you were going to do this, I was not surprised at all. <laughs> Thank you, Johnny. Can I, can I just do a shout out if there's any military spouses who want to pick my brains on my journey and what I've, what I've done to get here? I'd, I'd be really happy to have that conversation because one thing military spouses are really good at is sticking together and looking out for each other. So I, I know Darren's not serving anymore, but I followed him around for a long time and made some amazing friends in the military and um, just we're there, still there for each other. That's amazing. No, absolutely. That network. I know. I think. <laughs> the you know this is part of our inspire pillar of campaign force where we want through other people's stories to inspire others to stand up and serve again and to you know hear you as one of the pioneers from that kind of spousal community going into looking at going into high office is an amazing example that will inspire i'm sure many to think about standing in local government Going, becoming an MP or like yourself becoming a police yeah. and crime commissioner but yeah we, we, we've, we've got all the skills we've just got to go for it yeah exactly and uh, as I say ask her to stand as well that campaign um particularly around females getting involved in politics but but why now why for all this time why is why is now your moment yeah well I keep shouting about it because he's my Nottinghamshire you know so I I, I I want to serve my Nottinghamshire it's where I where I was born where I grew up you know, where I work, worked and lived most of my life. So it's really important for me to be in Nottinghamshire. But also it, it's timing for me. Whilst I've got this calling to use my skills and experience to serve, I couldn't have done it before. Um, that's because my, my children were younger. And if one of you one of you is running around work, working like Darren was in the military or Darren's been doing it as, as a parliamentarian or his whole journey to becoming a candidate, one of us had to be earning money to, to make that happen um so whilst Darren was doing his political journey I was working and earning money you you, you you can't both um it's actually as a political candidate you don't get paid so you have to you have to pay the bills so one of us had to do it at the time and also my children are older now so I've got more time on my hands Darren's working so I'm able to be a full-time candidate um, I took this really seriously, this role. So I was actually a full-time candidate before I put my CV in. I was doing the research to what the Police and Crime Commissioner's role is to make sure I, I'd got all the skills, to make sure I really knew my stuff. Because I didn't know that getting selected was going to be a challenge for me. A lot of people just saw me as Darren's wife. They didn't know about my business experience or the stuff I'd done before. So I had to really convince people. And there was a little bit where... I think people expected it to be a man doing the police and crime commissioner role. Um, so I, I did have to prove that I'd got the right skills to do the job. Yeah, you've had to overcome quite a few barriers there. Um, and you must have also picked up quite a few tips from Darren and from seeing others. Yeah. Along the, uh, can you share any of those tips that you might have picked up along the way? Yeah, getting selected is the hardest bit. Yes, you've got to go through the whole PAB, um, the um, making sure you've got the right skills with the party. That go stands the for voting. Parliamentary um, Assessment Board, folks, for the, for PAB, and that's for yeah. the for the Conservatives. Um, making sure um, that your seat that your CV is sparkling, so you get attention. And it it was helpful that you know Darren had a good CV as well. So and it, and it took him a while to get his perfected CV, so you get the parliamentary CV right. Mine was a police and crime commissioner CV, but it's the same format because you've got to really shout about what skills you've got and um 
the journey to being selected, I worked really hard. And I'll be frank, I wanted to make sure the room at the selection was full of people who knew what my skills were. So I have been schmoozing around everybody who could make a decision on who their candidate could be. And um, that's a bit of a top secret, but I'm happy, happy, <laughs> happy to share it. Nice. I wanted to make sure that people in that room knew Caroline. So I, 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 they knew me as a campaigner because I've been campaigning for a long time, but it's the conservative um, members in Nottinghamshire were the people who selected their candidates. So I needed to make sure they all knew um, that I would be a good choice. Well, they made the choice. They, you've overcome those barriers evidently by getting selected. So congratulations, um, as I said at the beginning. But I think another thing just to pick up on there is in terms of those schmoozing, that networking, I mean, that's such a brilliant skill from the military family, right? That's You spend your whole Absolutely. life doing that. Yeah. You've seen me in action at the, at the conference going, going, going around, Johnny. That's how yeah. we met. You schmoozed me. <laughs> I, I did. I did. And, and actually, um, because in the military, you used to go in somewhere and very quickly having to make, you know, make friends and contacts. I don't do it just to help myself. I'm always really keen to help other people too. It's not one-sided. Um, I've, I've always mentored people um, both in business as well. Um, I think when, when you do the networking, it's got to, it's got to be a win-win. No, absolutely. And um, you're going for this police and crime commissioner role. I mean, what's what's the pull? What do you think you get? What do you want to change for your Nottinghamshire? Um, I want to make sure the public priorities are being delivered. And, you know, the, the police and crime commissioner role is the best role in politics. It's much, much more exciting than being, a, being an MP because you actually get the opportunity to make decisions. Um, you know, I, I would have a £232 million budget and it'll be up to me to allocate where that budget goes to make sure that the public priorities are being delivered. My role will be to engage with the public and see what they need. And not the operational side, but I'm very clear that the operational side is the police, but the commissioning of services is, is the police and crime commissioner's role. And I'd like my legacy to be that the police in Nottinghamshire becomes a lot more proactive and we do a lot more uh, preventing crime work. Um, we've got really brave police officers and support staff, but they, but they need, to, at the moment, they're all busy, ch- busy chasing crime. What I'd like to do is more of a public health approach and do the preventing crime before it happens. So that's that's my plan. Nice. Well, sounds a pretty sensible one to me. And um, with all that research you did, is there is there anyone that's particularly inspired you in your journey into public life and actually standing up and serving again? Yeah, there's a, there's a really amazing police and crime commissioner called Katie Bourne in Sussex. And she's been very generous and, um, you know, sharing best practice. And she also she also did some real grilling of me, testing me for my interview. Um, and actually, she's taught me to look at the camera, which is a bit off-putting because <laughs> I can see you down here. But I've, I've got to look at my camera. And that's one thing she was very strict on with me. That I need to look at the camera when I'm talking talking through um, any webinars. Good tips. Well, I think you brought out there is just not only the power of networking and leaning into that to get tips and advice. And that's where, you know, we should all try and add value as an armed forces family to each other. And this is going to be very much part of that, having this conversation. Um, but also just some of those more sort of technical skills around getting selected <laughs> as well, really important. Um, yeah. so these uh, certainly come out in these podcasts everyone brings something from their own journey some tips and advice but 
and, and that will help us overcome barriers. And we still know that there are barriers to women getting involved in politics, whether they're perceived or, or, or real. Um, I mean, how on earth can we overcome these barriers and get more women involved in our public life? No, I, I think the, the main barrier to me was, has, been, has been that I wanted to prioritise my family when they were younger. Um, and, and I have no regrets but I did, that I did that, but it did stop my career without, without a doubt. I wanted to be with my husband when he was moving around in the military. Again, that put that 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 stopped the, the really high career that I was doing well at. Um, but I've no regrets because we had the best time going around in the military and some amazing experiences. I mean, I was running a, um, my own business up in um, base at Lossiemouth, RAF Lossiemouth at the time, and I'd seen an opportunity there, so I set up a business um, doing tr- training and coaching, and ironically. My biggest client, I was working with a probation service doing a courses to stop people reoffending, which is actually very interesting to what I want to do now. Um, but the, and the business was going really well. And Dan got a phone call to say, in 10 days' time, can we move to America? There's an opportunity to come up with the military. So I was very lucky that I'd, I'd trained some people up to do my work. I passed all my work on and we took the opportunity to go to the States. That was one thing I did find frustrating about the military, the fantastic opportunities, but this whole not being in control of knowing where you're going next with posting was was a tad frustrating because I I, I like a plan. And that was hard um, as a spouse, not knowing where you're going to be in in a few months' time, waiting for my husband's next posting to come. Sorry, I'm I'm digressing. You asked me about women. But... um, I, I think we've just got to support each other, and and, and like I said, you know, offer, offer to help, offer to mentor. Um, I've, I've been lucky. I've had some really amazing um, women in my life, and the best piece of advice is actually from my mom, and she said, "Caroline, you've got two ears, one mouth. Use them in that ratio," and that stood me in really good stead. She was really big at building my confidence, but what she was really good at is teaching me how to listen. And I, and I do think women are better at that than men. Really listening and finding out what the number of the problem is. I'm just going to agree. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, 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 you know, if you get women listening and working out what to do, the world's going to be a better place, I tell you. I think so. Yeah, it's definitely one of the empathy that you're in a, a, able to show is a, definitely a strength. And do you know what? I think on that, we'll leave the episode because the words of mum, are I think are more powerful than anything that, that I can say. Caroline, thank you so much. Good luck in your journey and we look forward to catching up soon. Thank you. Thanks very much, Johnny. Thanks to our guests and thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, hit subscribe now. Alternatively, you can support our mission by checking out in the show notes below where you can rate, donate or become our mate. Thank you.